Hi, I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian Carraway. And Lisa Tate. What's up, guys? This is Joseph Benavidez, UFC Flyweight. Hi, this is Greg Jackson, and you're listening to It's MMA Zing, and that is an amazing pun. Get it? Like MMA, but amazing? I'm amazing. Radio. Welcome to It's M Amazing Radio. I am your host, Dr. Law. I got Kid Presentable here. Or do I? This is where he talks. Yeah, is where he this talk. is where he talks. <laughs> He's still muted. My bad. It's <laughs> so easy to keep yourself muted on these Yeti mics. <laughs> the funny thing is, like, you unmuted yourself, or you're like, here he goes, here he goes, here he goes. I was double muted. You mute, the, you mute the app, you mute the mic. That's, oh I appreciate the dedication there. Hey, we are winning. DJ, uh, but Kid Presentable's here. Yeah, I'm here. I'm unmuted this time. Niners actually playing competitively. Right on. Let's ruin that draft pick. I got DJ Mark here. What's up? And I got jet lagged and all himself, Lavender Gooms. The Niners aren't winning yet. In about 10 seconds, when they hit this extra point, they will be winning. Oh, yes. my God. Here, Here is a little bonus podcast. No one gives a fuck about a game that will have already happened while it's happening live now. Turn off your goddamn TVs. Hey, man. That's you like saying you shouldn't go to history class because it already happened. That's right, man. Your ass, Mark. Yeah, exactly. Well, no, I was doing the live podcast. <laughs> I was like, oh, we're about to win that Civil War, bro. We're about to win that Civil War, bro. Was... And it's like, no, that shit already got lost. That was, Mar- that was Mark in class. A war of 1812. Boring. Yeah, fuck this. That was Mark in history class. Okay, you, the 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 listeners, our dear, dear listeners, do you like it when Bobby just says, we're winning? I liked it without the context as a football game and just <laughs> like, oh, Bobby's winning something. I don't know what. All right, guys. We got a hashtag full squad in the building here. Um, we got no fights to pick. We got time for uh, Kid Presentable to go gloat about the picks last week. Did he lock up the championship this year? Maybe, but I blame um, Lavender Gooms for that mostly because he could have gone. Why is that? You were tied with me last I know, but you could have gone with logic. I was in there just making wild-ass picks about Roy Nelson and shit. Um, We're going to talk about Bellator in a bit, um, but first, there's about 45 things that happened in MMA that weren't actual fights, um, and we're going to talk about that shit. Um... And we're going to start with our new lightweight champion who did about like seven things that pissed me off. You, you know he's not new. He just defended it. Okay. The new undisputed Defending. lightweight champion. Um, Khabib, let's start. Um, Stefan, I've been ragging on Khabib's terrible manager for, let's say, at least a year. And people maybe thought that Maybe Khabib wins and his manager is no longer a piece of shit. His manager is a piece of shit. Because Khabib flies to fucking uh, Dagestan, gets to, goes to fucking Chechnya, hangs out with Ramzan Kadyrov, and we got Ali Abdelaziz celebrating, celebrating that relationship. I mean, I'm not surprised, um, Steph, but don't you think as his manager, maybe some common sense as to, hey man, your guy's got a lot more attention on him this time, maybe we don't flaunt this? Um, I see where you're coming from, but you already said it. We know who his manager is, right? You're going to expect a piece of shit to clean itself up overnight? No, you know, a wolf is going to be a wolf. You know, you could put Donald Trump in the office. It doesn't 
make him respect the position more. He's the person that he has always been, and that's the same with um same with Khabib's manager. Yeah, you know, as I just say, as like as someone who's touted Khabib for years, the one I've got, long before he got the title fight, I called him the champion in waiting. As great as Connor was, Khabib was always going to beat him. Khabib was this inevitable force, but now that he's here, it's kind of been a bummer. Um, as someone who's been a fan, yeah, of him, man. Like, I mean, this is just a tip everything of it. is just—it's just been tough to like this guy for at least personally with everything that's going on. I know he's got his supporters that are ardently defending him online, but everyone's a dick online, so why wouldn't they? Um, yeah, all these guys have become, it's like everybody became a sports. It's like it's like it's like Khabib is our sports team, and they'll defend that shit just because they have to. You don't really have to, guys. We've been—I've been Quentin Jackson fan my for like fifteen years. I don't defend anything Rampage has done probably from like the last 10 years. All right. It's not that hard. Um, all right. So yeah, that happened. Um, by the way, um, people will say, well, Khabib lives over there. Maybe he doesn't want to piss off the dictator. I understand that, but there's no reason for his fucking manager to go on Instagram and suck this dude's dick. All right. There's no Money. excuse for that. Huh? Money. Money. Well, maybe if you well, didn't start a fuck, maybe if like you didn't that. just start a fucking riot, you would be you'd have your two million dollars. Just maybe. Um, also, we got uh, Habib saying he wants to fight Floyd, fight Floyd Mayweather. Um, Mike, no, right? Could it be? I mean, maybe it could work. He's got a better gas tank than Connor. Okay. So Mike said, this is why I went to Mike. Because Mike, if anybody was going to be in for this bullshit, it was going to be Mike. Mike, come on, man. Like, what are we doing here? Maybe Khabib can out-cardio um, Floyd. Okay. Mark? <laughs> come on, to come be, on. To be uh, fair, he, he challenged him to a fight. He didn't challenge him to boxing. Well, there's boxing odds. Minus 2,000 for Floyd right now. I, I, I feel you're with me there, Stefan. <laughs> That sounds we, like you're giving me some support. Floyd is the one who said he's training for MMA. You know, let's Connor got got to fight the main event in when he jumped to boxing. Why can't Floyd jump to the main event if he tries MMA? You know what? I'd happily see. I'd happily watch Khabib turn uh, to fold up Floyd Mayweather like a paper airplane and just fling him around the octagon. It'd be great to see. But okay, um, Marcus Khabib said he's not going to fight if the UFC cuts his boy. Now, my position is that Dana White may be the only right thing he's done so far so far as saying he's going to cut that dude. I do sympathize a little with Khabib because Khabib's like, why the fuck didn't all of Connor's boys get cut? Though I think the only one that needed to get cut that still were, was a UFC fighter was Artem. But still, Khabib making the point about fairness. Where do you stand on this? Should they have cut? I mean, do you think they should be cutting his guy? And... You know, what do you think about Khabib's overall point about Connor's people just getting away with shit? Uh, well, I mean, I, I we're talking about one of the gentlemen that struck Connor after the match, right? Yeah, like, the one who came into the crowd. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but he, he literally he's the one that actually punched Connor, not not the first one who yeah. exchanged punches and then. So, I mean, I think just on grounds of that, of going in, you're not a fighter. This isn't a sanctioned fight. You literally struck one of our, not one of our, like our highest profiting fighter. I think that's more than enough grounds to um, suspend him. I, I get where Habib's coming from. Not necessarily that's like um, in all fairness, because I mean we've talked about this before. Bobby mentioned a lot of times, you know, life's not fair. Not everything works in in what is in fair play. Um, but I get Habib using his new 
like stature and fame that he garnered from this fight to try to help one of his teammates. I mean, it makes sense. I I would expect nothing less of him to, you know, even put himself on the line um, in regards to helping, you know, his teammates continue to have their paycheck. But it's, it's kind of a tough situation. I, I don't think Habib, I, I, I guess after this, Bobby, wasn't it shortly after that, like they were talking about Bellator's looking oh, to get Jesus Christ. stuff like 50 that. Cent, 50 cents, kind of 50. Oh, there's more. Yeah. yeah like all of a sudden, Habib's contract doesn't matter, huh? Because 50 cents, like, I'll pay you $2 million to go to Bellator. And I thought 50 cent declared bankruptcy. And this dude's just handing checks out. Like He's got new, he's got new champagne. He's got a whole <laughs> new revenue stream. And he's got millions to send out. Yeah, I mean, it, the, that whole scenario is a little, a little tough. I mean, I think ultimately the UFC should probably ban that guy. I mean, yeah. I don't know if it's like, a, like, at least suspend him for a while. But that's like, it's pretty atrocious to go in there and strike someone after a fight. You're not even involved in the fight. Mm. Connor, I don't think, said anything about him in particular, but, you know, the, the team's kind of like a family or whatever. So, I mean, I, I'm, you try to look at it from all angles, and I get where the different people are coming from. But I think ultimately it's just like, yeah, you can't do what you did. There's repercussions to that. And if that repercussion is that you're banned from the UFC for life, that's, you know, that's the choice you made when you jumped into the octagon and did something you know you're not supposed to. So, I think maybe like a lengthy suspension would be just as well, but I, I, I get. I mean, I think it's totally fair for him to just be like, "No, you can't punch another dude." Yeah, after I mean, a fight. I that's mean, that seemed like you can't punch him anytime. Yeah. The only time you can punch is when you when you sign our contract and you make weight and you get in there and it's a you know it's a legitimate. Contest. He was already, he was booked he was booked to fight Artem. What else does he want? <laughs> like, the I, mean, yeah, I mean, look, you had a path potentially to fight this guy. You beat his teammate. And you talk shit, you build it up. Maybe you get that big payday payday fight. You don't you don't just jump into the octagon and sucker punch somebody. That's just you know that's just against rules and laws. And there's punishments for that. And if the UFC deems it that you can't fight for their organization, that's totally within their right. I think that's a fair punishment for the act. And I understand Habib trying to save his boy and put his own neck out there, but I, I don't know if that's the hill he wants to die on. But you know, you, you make your own breaks in this world. Yeah. You know, I think those are very excellent points. I think the more salient and more important point is them checks and those pay-per-view buys. Before Habib, he was on a card with on a pay-per-view that sold maybe more than 500K. Because of that reason, Connor's boy can possibly finesse getting, you know, not getting fired or not getting banned or anything. Because he's in the orbit of Conor McGregor, they want to keep that dude happy until they can. Until he's selling less than a million pay per view buys. Frankly, Khabib's awesome. He's not in the UFC. You know what he is. He's a stronger Ben Askren. No one gives a shit. No one would give a shit if Khabib was cut tomorrow. Nobody. Nobody. I'm not, not one person. I'm not sure. Okay, I'm not sure as far as you, but I do think like people are like, Khabib's got 12 million Instagram followers. Yeah, Khabib. Wait, wait. There's a point that none of you touched on. Who is there among Connor's boys to fire? Dylan Danis doesn't fight for the UFC. I think it was Artem, basically. Artem didn't throw anything. Artem was trash didn't anyway. physically attack anything. I so that's, what, that's the other reason that no one's talking about is... It is not the same. There is no one. Connor did shit. There's none of his boys to fire. Even if you were to want to include Dennis, which I wouldn't because Habib attacked him. I'm sorry if he said mean things. You can say mean things. Uh, there's no one to suspend or fire on Connor's side in this. Um, you know, we're apparently uh, a bunch of Connor nut huggers on this podcast, but I'm with you.
Um, Stefan, get your tinfoil hat on because that's what Khabib's got on his head right now. Because Khabib said the bus thing was planned. Uh, that was the one where I'm like, come on, man. Like, wh who, why are you talking? Why are you saying anything? You won. Shut the fuck up. I mean, I don't know what you even say to that thing, man. Do you got anything? Mm -hmm. uh, 100% he is correct. Definitely planned. Used all the footage. Why'd they have so many camera angles ready? <laughs> you know, it's it, it, it all happened. You know, that I, is a decent point, Bobby. There was a camera inside that. Yeah, button. it's not like they had, they had embedded going or anything. And they've been airing shit all the embedded footage. Everyone had their own cameras. Yeah, and that was a perfect camera angle shot. You know, like with the one going through the uh, the hand truck going through the window. Mm -hmm. Even it's had his exit route camera ready. Why was a guy in that hall where his posse was gonna flee from? You know, I think I think if you look hard <laughs> enough at the video evidence, you can probably see those like X markers that they use for uh, <laughs> for like movies. Like, all right, Connor, this, this is, is your spot. spot. You gotta hit your spot. All right, when. Uh, Mike's a little choppy, but he's making me a laugh my ass perfect, off. A perfect image. That was wonderful, Mike. I appreciate it. Then finally, Mike, Khabib said he's, WWE wants him, and he's going to go smash Brock Lesnar. I don't think Khabib realizes how many, how few, how little Vince thinks of people who weigh less than 200 pounds. Um, <laughs> and, and I think the other thing is, look, 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 look. We want over-exaggerated uh, fake Russians, Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, he sounds too normal. I mean, who he's Russian and he's Muslim, though. I mean, Stefan, the type of heel Vince would make Khabib. <laughs> would... Man, uh, he'd have to be a manager because he's too small to be a part of 205 Live, and that's their little guys. I'm just saying, like, Buddy Murphy's like 220 pounds. <laughs> and a... By the way, Brock Lesnar would beat the fuck out of Khabib. All right, I'm putting it out there because Brock Lesnar outweighs him by 130 pounds and he knows how to fight well enough to beat up Khabib. I didn't think this was up for grabs, but apparently it is for some people like I, I don't, I don't understand, but yeah, I mean, there comes a certain point that weight and just brute strength will overpower however much technique you have. Yeah. There we go. All American too. Just saying. And I mean, for context, I got like a black belt nephew. All <laughs> I got to do is trip on him. And that kid is just completely destroyed. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he, he might have all the technique and training in the world. But at a certain point, I'm 100 pounds bigger than him. So, yeah, that to, to, my, to uh, Mike's point. Yeah, I don't That should not even be a thought experiment. Um, Back to the guy who sold all these pay-per-views, Marcus Conor McGregor out there on TV, being the biggest goddamn deal at the football game, People, all the Cowboys players doing his dance and scoring touchdowns, Connor's hyping up the crowd, hyping up the team, Connor's throwing the worst football anybody's ever seen thrown. Connor loses really well, Marcus. Like, it's the polar opposite of, like, Ronda Rousey. Wouldn't you say? We're like, if Connor was able to do a press conference after the fight, you know what it would have been like, I gotta learn, and shit like that. You know what I mean? Like, he he knows how to lose and just doesn't like it's almost like it didn't happen like no one seemed to give a fuck that he just lost a cage fight incredibly one-sided you get what i'm saying uh, i do and that that's more or less how i felt i mean obviously i think if things would have 
happen how they normally happens after fights. We would have seen that, you know, uh, Connor classy in defeat. He in the two times that we've seen him uh, be defeated by Nate and Floyd Mayweather, he was extremely classy in both of them. You know, against Nate, he just said he got caught in the Floyd fight. He was like, "Why don't you guys let me get knocked even more silly than I already am?" Um, and that's what I was anticipating until you know all hell broke loose. Um, and the narrative that I thought and that we talked about uh, last week was that you know this is kind of the best outcome for Connor, where he kind of came out looking kind of like the good guy where he was just kind of sitting by innocently as what I thought originally. And then he, he threw a punch it muddles things a little bit, but ultimately, you know, he, he does lose very graciously. And it was, I, I honestly thought it was weird in this last week, reading some of the commentary on the events that happened, just having a lot of people kind of side with Habib who at least on camera. And I think mm -hmm. our commentary was mostly like, he kind of just really blew his spot up and kind of made a huge fucking mistake. And it seems like a lot of the fan base doesn't really see that narrative, which I think is a little weird. And it seemed like at least what I was reading online, and you know, that's not a great barometer of the general public's opinion, um, that a lot of people were like disappointed in Connor's performance. And even though he got kind of like beat up at the end of the fight, like, you know, literally like got into another scuffle that he wasn't asking for after the fight, like he still it seemed like the MMA fan perception wasn't as kind as we were. But um, ultimately, I mean, I didn't see him at this football game. I just saw a headline saying that he was there. So I didn't see people, you know, the players doing his uh, his dance and how he came over with the crowd. But he's still a star, obviously, you know, and I think these losses diminish that to a degree. But, I mean, part of Connor's whole, whole persona and what makes him such an incredible talent isn't just his fighting ability. It's to promote a fight. And I have little doubt that the next fight he has, whether it's against Habib or Nate or GSP or whoever he ultimately matches up with next, he's going to be able to sell the fight. And this loss isn't going to be a huge deter deterrent of that. And I think it's really easy for us MMA fans to be kind of hyperbolic. And when a guy loses, oh, this guy's washed up. This guy's nobody. He can't do what we thought he was. You know, maybe we had our expectations too high. Um, and, and often those turn in to make us look foolish down the line where they come back and it was like, no, this guy just had a bad night. Um, it was a bad matchup for him, this, that, and the other. Uh, so I think ultimately, yeah, it doesn't seem like this loss is going to hurt Connor all that much in the scheme of things. Ultimately, if he would have won this fight, it opens up even bigger avenue paydays for him. But I don't even think those doors closed either, right? Because I think he could still fight GSP and no one would bat an eye. Yeah, exactly. Obviously fight Nate now that the Dustin fight um, is off the table, which we'll talk about later. But um, yeah, ultimately, I don't think when he loses because he's so gracious, um, his stock takes that big of a tumble. You know, I think the fans are fickle and they do remember. And the next time he fights, people will bring up this Habib fight. And yeah, all all two hundred thousand of us who actually care for shit about MMA as hardcore fans, the general public doesn't give a shit. Conor McGregor's a superstar. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I think we you know we we analyze the next fight. We can look at wrestling and stamina and have those be things that we are concerned about with his abilities to to beat his next opponent. But ultimately, he's a huge draw. And I think what's kind of interesting and what we're talking about, all these things Habib done is done in this last week, kind of reminds me to a lesser extent or even equivalent. Kind of, it's like these guys that get in the wake of Connor when they beat him, they they realize like, oh, I'm like like. I think they see those pay-per-view numbers and they don't really think most of that's Connor, a little bit that's me. They think like that's all me because I beat him. Like Nate got a really big head after that. I mean, he already he was all he was always a guy that self-promoted himself and always wanted to get yeah. the top dollar. But now that Habib beat him and he has his big pay-per-view buy, now he sees himself as a much more legitimate star. And I think the MMA press and fan base see that too now, right? Because I think before this Connor win, 
people knew of Habib. They knew he was a good fighter, but he wasn't at the mantle that he's at now. Now that he beat yeah, Connor. We're going to see, man. I mean, because if they book him against somebody else, we're going to see how he can really sell. Because I come, I mean, Nate, Nate, I mean, Habib speaks the language, but Nate, like, the Diaz brothers are a fucking cult. And, like, Habib's got his people, too. So maybe, but Nate's people are in this country. And they buy pay-per-views. I'm glad you brought up the fucking, um, the thing about, like, people trying to take Khabib's side. Because Luke Thomas probably, I love Luke Thomas. He's a resident angry person I listen to. But his, because he he was talking about this whole bullshit where people are like, this whole narrative that somehow people are trying to hide the fact that Connor threw a punch at the guy. Like, like Connor threw that the first was, punch. That was coming at Connor. Okay. Come on. Motherfucker just had a four-round cage fight. All right. By the way, he threw the first punch, but that was after Khabib threw the first flying fucking stomp. All bets were off at that point, all right? The second Khabib left the cage and another dude jumped into the cage, all bets were off for that point with Connor. He got to defend himself, all right? Khabib's out there trying to beat his team's ass. So maybe, Mark, you're right. It muddles it a little bit, but quite frankly, I don't think he did anything wrong. I'm just, I, think I don't really, think he, I, think, I don't I think, think he did one thing. I don't. I wouldn't say Connor did. If, quite frankly, the fact he's got choked out too. I don't think Connor did one thing wrong in that whole regard right there. I think honestly. really what it was was at least for me was I watched the broadcast and that stuff was I had no idea that he threw a punch at another person that there was another scuffle. All I heard was the camera was zoomed out and it was like, oh, someone sucker punched mm. Connor out of nowhere. And it was like, what the fuck? Like that dude just lost. And it painted a picture in my mind. And I have to assume where some of this fan base is coming from too, is that Connor was literally just in the cage. Like what the hell's going on? And someone just completely blindsides him. I, we didn't know the narrative of there was a little bit of a scuffle and then someone sucker punched him. And it just, it paints the picture a little differently than what I had thought originally. That's I, fair. I, I, and, and I agree, Bobby. Like, I don't think he did nothing something necessarily wrong because when you look at those two guys that kind of swung at each other it, it obviously was a thing where it was like connor had no no backup there and he felt threatened and this other guy was attacking him so i mean it just it colored the picture because like honestly my perception going to bed that night was like man connor didn't do any like, like you said didn't do anything wrong not one single thing he lost the fight he was sitting there he was chilling his opponent attacks his corner and he's like what the fuck's going on here and then someone just sucker punch him it's like oh man can it get any worse? But having the narrative of like, okay, he had a comfort confrontation inside the octagon. So there was already testosterone flowing and there's this whole, you know, anger and, and uh, kind of scuffle going on. It just, it, it colored it a little bit better. Like, okay, now it makes a little bit more sense why someone would sucker punch him. Doesn't make it right. Doesn't make what Connor, doesn't mean Connor wasn't in the wrong a little bit, but ultimately, you know, like dude has to protect himself and his people are throwing fists like where's the security yeah chael chael exactly chael was just like what the fuck chael was just like what are people talking about chael's like you're in the cage the other guy does not belong in the cage once you enter the sp the cage exactly that's all things i mean mike what did you think about that i disagree with a lot with uh what a lot of people are trying to say here you watch that video the guy is clearly coming right at connor what is connor supposed to do is connor supposed to wait for the guy to cock back and throw a punch nah man i learned very early on from a friend of mine um you know what if you have an inkling a man is gonna throw a punch at you you land that punch first hey man, if a hostile has entered your personal space that's and the other, his teammate is doing flying knees at your at your at your team. 
Honestly, man, I mean, Steph, I mean, I've said it like five times, but all bets were fucking off the second Khabib started attacking his team, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, I agree. I, I think it's it's the moment Khabib jumped. Khabib, he, he was the match that lit the fuse. Once the fuse is lit, it's all going to blow up, whatever. He jumped out of the cage aggressively coming at one of his teammates. It It's not a sucker punch what Connor does in that moment. He is now in a my people versus your people mode. Nothing mattered after the moment Habib went over the fence. He also got his ass beat and got choked. I'm not sure what his mindset was also for putting that out there, too. I don't care about any of that. I'm going to be a CTE denier. Exactly. Nothing you're fine. The moment the match is over, you're fine. It's safe. All right, so all that shit's happening. I We're going to get the rematch, I think. Um, I think there's just too much money to be made. I don't think we're going to necessarily see a different result. By the way, I thought Connor fought. Better than anybody else has fought Khabib. He won a round. He was stuffing takedowns here and there. Forgotten, fought in two years. That almost went as well as it could have. But Khabib's the man. Khabib's the best lightweight in the world. Maybe the best ever. Um, in the midst of all this shit, um, everybody got real angry when the UFC booked Valentina Shevchenko against um, Sajara Eubanks as the main event for UFC 230 um, in Madison Square Garden in two weeks. And, like, everybody got mad. Like, the Associated Press had articles about the UFC fucking this up. So what the UFC did, and this is probably tied to the fact that uh, Dustin Poirier was pulling out of the fight. And God, guys, can you imagine that card without Nate and Dustin and then having Sajara Eubanks and against Valentina Shevchenko? Holy crap. Um, what they did was they convinced their injured heavyweight champion to fight an injured heavyweight who just got his ass kicked for how many minutes? 13? 13 minutes? Of getting punched in the face for Derek Lewis um, to fight each other, um, where both of them might have broken hands, um, and then Sajara Eubanks lost her title shot, and she's real angry, but nobody cares. Not one person cares about that. Um, so we got Derek Lewis and Daniel Cormier. Mike, I'm gonna go to you because you and I were fucking adamant that this fight wasn't gonna happen, and now it is. So here we are. Well, I feel that uh, <laughs> I should try not to be so uh, adamant in some of my things, even though I just went on a rant earlier about how no one, not one person would care if mm. uh, Khabib got cut. Mm. But uh, I mean, in, in our defense, everybody's hurt. <laughs> DC was just on Ariel's show two weeks ago literally saying he couldn't even make a fist and well you know ariel it's kind of hard to wrestle if you can't make a fist and where am i going to be if i can't wrestle which is basically what dc said you hear all of that shit so you kind of a bit you kind of believe him when he says he's not going to be able to fight until january he must really not respect uh Derek Lewis or he really didn't want to fight Stipe Yeah, Stipe asked for it. John Jones. Stipe asked for that fight. Stipe asked for that fight. Stipe Stipe kind of not saying this is his fault, but Stipe wasn't the most promotion friendly champion and complained about money the entire time he was champion. So, and I'm not saying he's wrong about any of that, but I'm kind of not surprised now when he's not getting an immediate rematch and shit like that. Marcus Black Beast, Daniel Cormier. It sounds like a good time, but this is almost like the worst, like the worst set of scenario. Like, 
I wanted this fight, but I didn't think I need I didn't need it, in, you know, with these circumstances surrounding it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I mean, personally, for me, with what Derek has done and the guys he's beaten, even though one of those performances against Naganu was kind of like that was a big name on his resume, but the fight didn't really produce the action or really had that kind of win that was like, man, he beat Naganu. Maybe he could put something together against uh, DC. But really, what this what's this matchup really reeks of is just desperation, right? I mean. I don't mind this matchup at all, but I want both competitors to be healthy. I don't even want one of these guys to be hurt, let alone have them both be hurt. You know, when I see a title uh, match of any weight class, but maybe even more so heavyweight class because it kind of draws the most odds. It's the big boys. Uh, We always want to see people at their best and healthy and able to compete. And in this case, we, we know one. Derek Lewis just had a match where he just got beat up. And Bob, you said 13 minutes. I wanted to correct you. That was 14 minutes and 50 seconds. He literally got beat for the entire fight, except for the last 10 seconds where he won the fight, and he was getting beaten pretty badly against another Wait, guy. Remember who, we, sorry, Mark. Didn't it look like he broke his orbital at one point? Like he was like fucking yeah, with his eye. His eye, and uh, uh, I think Cruz kept saying, you know, and when got and not not wrong and not a bad call from Dominic. When people hold their eye like that, it usually means they break their orbital, which is like Dominic was saying, he never experienced it, but he hears it's one of the most painful breaks that you can have. And I don't know if that's true, right? Did it ever come out that he actually broke his orbital? I maybe guess he's he okay. I think he did, I think he just got hit. I think he got like a knuckle in the eye, maybe. Kind yeah, of like but, one of those but things. I mean, ultimately, ultimately, we just saw this guy fight. Like, he just fucking fought. That was, what, two weeks ago? And he's fighting in two weeks. This is a month turnaround. Just in any fight in general, that's a really fast turnaround. Then you add in this dude got hit so much and was hurt so badly in that fight, he should be on medical suspension for at least a couple months just to recuperate. He's not getting that, so he's ultimately compromised. And on the other side, we have DC, who, you know, his fight with Stipe was a while back, but he's, you know, he seriously hurt his hand, and he needs time to recover. And he put a a time frame in place when, when we could expect him, and now he's coming out of that, like, what, three months earlier than we thought? And it's just like... I don't want to see this fight this way because I don't want to see two injured guys that aren't in the top of their game fight each other because I don't learn anything from that. If if uh, 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 Lewis goes out and beats DC, which would be a huge feather in his cap, the biggest win in his career, I can't help but think like, well, yeah, but DC had one fucking hand. He couldn't grapple. He couldn't punch. He couldn't do any of the things he needed to it's, do. It's a goddamn mess, man. Like yeah, this is it, just, it a- just It would just tarnish Lewis's win. And the same thing with DC. It's just like... You know, I think I think skill wise on paper, DC just has you know he he is the type of fighter that I think gives Derek Lewis a lot of trouble because the dude doesn't like to stand there and bang. Even though you know he did that with Stipe and was successful, but he's a wrestler and he's going to wrestle you and get you tired. And I think that's a, a good avenue to beat Derek Lewis. And I'd want to see this fight when these guys are healthy because I want to see if Derek Lewis can pull off the thing he does all the time and get that last minute win. And maybe he can in these circumstances when he's hurt because he's obviously been hurt before and has won a fight, but I just want to see these guys healthy. I want to see championship fights where it's two deserving combatants at the top of their game in their top physical condition battling each other and not yeah. just battling each other because it's convenient for the organization to make a buck. I mean, look, I get it also. Derek Lewis is like 35, 36, I think. Dude's got like two kids. He just got married. Marcus, can you look up his age while we're talking? Um, but yeah, Derek Lewis is like he's like, he's got a back problem that you know he's not long for this sport. Like he's 33, but he's got a back problem. Okay. But like, he's got to like, he's got to get paid. And Daniel Cormier has put an end date on his career. He put a date on it. 
and he's 40 years old. He's got to pay for fucking mortgage in the Bay Area. Shit's expensive here. He's got two kids. You know, he's he's got to make as much money as he can. I get what they're why they're doing it, but come on, man. Like, I mean, Stefan, this is how we're gonna end up with Brock Lesnar versus Derek Lewis. Like, is that what we're ending with here by some miracle? Because you know the MMA gods that reign upon Mount Zion's they they don't play. I mean, what, like, eventually down the road? I mean, I don't know. Who the fuck knows with this thing? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, my only contribution to this conversation is, uh, you know, you said it on Corny's behalf, but on the other side is if Lewis loses as I expect him to, it's 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 a waste of his opportunity. That's exactly what I was thinking, too. It's, you know, like, who's to say he'll earn this title shot again? Yeah, he's kind of knocking on the door of it. It doesn't actually feel wrong when you look at his record, but, like, for him to get the biggest moment of his life compromised... That's wasting his opportunity. It's yeah. I wanted to say the same thing, Steph, because I feel the same way that you do. Is like he has strung together a super impressive amount of wins here to to legitimately he earned this shot. He's literally he was number two in this fight, and he beat. I, I don't remember what Alex Alexander was at, but he was in top ten. I, I mean, look, if they're gonna if they're gonna give it to Stipe, it's him. That's who the number yeah, one contender is, right? And, but but like Stefan was saying, like I don't know how many chances Derek Lewis is going to get that shot because of his fighting style, because he wins a lot of these fights coming back from adversity with a big knockout punch at the end. That's not something that you can always pull off. He's been doing it, you know, against, you know, all logic, but he might only get one shot at this title. If we're we're being realistic with what his skill set is and what he's good at, even though I think he's improving still, he might only get one shot at this title. And to get it under these circumstances just feels shitty. It just feels like you're... He's not getting the right opportunity for the work that he's put in and earned. So it just that's that's totally reasonable. Mike, what do you think about this mess? I think that the UFC did what they needed to do. Um, Frankly, Sajara Eubanks and Valentina Shevchenko was a travesty. Um, Both of them ain't long for the sport. I got to assume Derek Lewis probably doesn't have much money saved up from the way he takes fights, even though he shouldn't, he should be trying to save his back or rehab his back. Uh, I have to assume these guys are getting paid a goddamn premium to fight in this fight. If they're okay with it, I'm okay with it. It's not like I'm going to pay to go to the event. Yeah, Mike, so, that shit, that shit went away real quick. huh? <laughs> So if if they're fine with jeopardizing their bodies, um, if DC is fine with possibly jeopardizing his fight with Brock Lesnar, which I have always assumed he's not going to get, then more power to them. Fighting in New York, I guess it's a big deal. That's a great point, Mike. Yeah, they cannot wait to pay the state income tax there. It's going to be great. Jesus Christ. Um, Yeah. I just, you know, I just hope it's a good fight. I'm not, I mean, yeah, it just kind of is what it is. Yeah, uh, Valentina Shevchenko is going to fight Joanna again. That's what they were booked originally to do in uh, early December at that card in somewhere in Canada. I want to say Vancouver, but I'm not positive, where the main event is Max Holloway and Brian Ortega, which I love that combination of top two fights right there. That's a sweet, sweet, uh, you can't really complain about that. Good Lord, I hope we just get there. Yeah, I just... That's the thing. We're gonna talk. We're about to talk about a bunch of fights where I'm like, I don't know if any of this shit's gonna happen. Like they booked um, Gus and Jones too, and it's a fight we've wanted for five years. And I know that because we celebrated the five year anniversary of it on this podcast like three weeks ago. 
Um, and it is the greatest light heavyweight title fight ever. Maybe one of the greatest UFC fights ever, period. And Steph, like, I'm one of those people who, I mean, I'm going to go ahead and believe that John Jones was, I'm not saying he didn't train, but he was partying and he was doing his thing. That, I kind of like, Alex has fought, Jones has fought more recently than Alex has. Like, you kind of almost feel that was Alex's moment and it's been five years and I don't know, I don't know how I can pick Gustafson in this one. You know what I mean? Like, it's this moment, the moment for this fight was maybe a couple of years ago. <laughs> I mean, there's no scenario I would pick Gus. There's absolutely none. Um, do you remember, to your point, do you remember that time not that long ago when, you know, Jones was basically, had va- basically vacated the title due to his issues and Cormier won it in his absence? And remember how we called him the very highly disputed champion of the world. Mm-hmm. Jones winning the belt in DC's absence while DC's busy at heavyweight. I won't feel that way. I will feel Jones has always been the champion to me in spite of all his issues. Why? Mostly partially because I don't care about some of the issues, you know, the steroid stuff. He won and, the fucking fights. We saw and, him win the fights. And like, and like Nate Diaz says, all these guys are on steroids. All of them. So it, that it's one of the things that doesn't dull my sense. Jones is the monster. Jones is the goat. I have always held that stance. And when he comes back, he's a shit person. Don't get me wrong. I might I might honk that horn of him being like the greatest fighter of all time. Don't make a mistake that for me liking him and like co-signing his lifestyle. But as a fighter, he is he is the scariest person I've ever seen on this earth as a fighter. Um, and Jones will do that to Gus. Gus has been regressing. Um, these his last few fights, even when he wins, it's not as a, usually a stamp like he used to. And he he's hinted that he's maybe wanted to retire. He's been in this mental block of I couldn't get past Jones, I couldn't get past DC twice. He was starting to feel. He that fought he DC once, huh? I think he only lost to DC once. He wanted to get that. Or rematch. no, then he got knocked out by Rumble. Right? That was honestly, you know what it is, man. I don't think Gus has necessarily gotten worse. I just think Gus is like, for a guy who doesn't fight that often, he's had a lot of like. He comes out of these fights with his ass whooped a lot but of times. Mentally, mm-hmm. mentally speaking, like he had he, he kept getting knocked out right before he yep. reached the summit, you know, and that is jarring on a fighter. On a fighter who's here to be the greatest and not a fighter to collect paychecks, which I believe Gus is the former. He's mm-hmm. one of those ones who seeks greatness. Not getting there so many times takes an effect, so I think it's regressed him. I don't see what's going to make him get over the hump now. He can talk all the trash he wants on Twitter, you know, good for him to sell these fights, but I, I can't see it. Uh, but I will just chime in. I know you people would probably call that the greatest light heavyweight fight of all time. DC Jones holds a special place in my heart just for that bullshit troll stunt that Jones pulled at the end where he put his <laughs> arms up early. And DC, with seconds left in the round, accepted defeat. And Jones gave him one good, clean sucker punch for good measure, saying, like, the fight's still going stupid. But um, um, yeah, that that's, moment's amazing. Yeah, it's a tough one. Mike, Um, another fight that we got going on, and I like this one. I love this fight. It happened once already, but it's both these guys have advanced. Kevin Lee especially has made a lot of strides. Kevin Lee and Ally Quinta go in a five-round fight. That just sounds like a good time on free TV, don't you think? I think what's even more impressive about this is that Ally Quinta is going to fight twice in a given year. I mean, how about that? He might, They must be paying his ass, huh? <laughs> Al must be no, demanding that check. <laughs> I'm, I'm very excited for the fight. Um, Kev, Kevin Lee, I mean, shit. If he doesn't get staff. Maybe he's a neurom champ. Maybe he's actually fighting Habib. 
he last, said uh, last he, April. Who knows? He made the point. He made the point that he thinks his style. He's the guy to give Khabib the most trouble. I mean, what do you think about that? Kevin Lee is a strong, strong man, but what do you think? I mean, it's not saying he's going to win, but is he the one to give him the toughest test, do you think, in this weight class? Well, I think you basically took my very simple analysis of that. Uh, he's a big mother effer, and mm. I got to assume he actually might be strong enough to maybe for for a while actually just keep Habib away and, you know, off from the ground just through sheer, sheer muscle. Uh, that would be a very interesting contest, I think, to see. And but when it comes to the current contest between Ayakinta and, and Lee, it'll be interesting to see again. Um, I think we all love uh, Ray Janelle here. Uh, love to see him get a win, considering that he, he really helped the UFC in his last fight. Um, even though he hates their guts. Um, yep. <laughs> it'll be interesting to see how far each of them have progressed. Yeah, we also got Usman and RDA going five rounds. I love that fight. I want to know what happens if Usman can't get him down. I do think Usman will get him down because Usman's a goddamn motherfucker when it comes to taking dudes to the ground. But RDA is such a complete fighter. That's another one that's going to be a really, really good matchup. And with all these, Marcus, I just want to see this shit. I hope it happens, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, at this point with this year and the statistic that, you know, Steph shot us a couple weeks ago about how many main events and co-main events we've been losing and just losing the Dustin Nate Diaz fight, which was just awesome on paper. Um, yeah, it's just... UFC hasn't been doing a horrible job matching up fun, compelling fights. It's just these guys aren't making it to the finish line, and uh, that seems to be the biggest determining factor now. Like, like, like we were talking about leading up to the Connor um, Habib fights. Like, I couldn't get excited literally until the the moment that I saw them both in the cage. Like, okay, it's gonna happen. Literally, nothing else crazy could happen. The craziness was after the fight, but yeah, at this point, it's just all these fights they make. I'm just like, yeah, that sounds cool. I'm gonna keep my fingers crossed because I really don't know if it's gonna you know come to fruition. Um, until I see these guys make weight, until I see them literally walk into the octagon, because we've seen so many guys get hurt um, so close to the fight that, yeah, it's just, it, I'm excited. Those are really cool matchups. They're all really compelling. Let's just hope we see them. Yeah. Um, and uh, by the way, Dustin Poirier was saying that they did offer them a five round, 165 pound fight. And Nate Diaz demanded it be for a title. And Dustin was pissed about that. I just think Dustin should go read his own contract and look at how much money he makes when they call it a title fight and when they don't call it a title fight and then realize maybe you shouldn't be angry at Nate. Yeah, at to be point. fair, though, Nate always says who gives a fuck about the belt. Nate doesn't give a fuck. Nate doesn't want the belt. Nate wants the money but, attached but to the still, belt. Like, this dude's like, mm -hmm. we're going to fight. Now you're asking for the belt. Now we can't fight. And now, you know what? I heard him well, out of this bitch. See Marcus, you, 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 I mean, I think if they pay, I mean, he also hurt his hip, so whatever. Before we do the Bellator talk, they announced a full fight card here for um, Chuck versus Tito three. Couple names worth mentioning here. We got uh, we got uh, Kenneth Berg versus Jorge Gonzalez. Actually, I don't know who Jorge Gonzalez is. I thought that's the guy who fought MVP. That might have been somebody else. Um, Tom Lawler, Filthy Tom's on the card. Glyson Tebow's taken on Efren Escudero, which I don't. I refuse to believe we haven't seen that before. That just sounds like something we've seen before. Um, Kendall Grove is on the card. This is why I want to bring this up. Um, did anybody look and see how much this pay-per-view is going to cost? Yep. Mark, don't give me the answer. The answer. Did either of All you right. two do it? No, no I'm going to get guessing, $60. Yeah, You're I'm going guessing full price. I'm guessing, okay. I'm guessing it is a, okay, I remember, a professional It's $49.99. 
So it's the price uh, of standard definition. Okay. Dude, I, I swear to God, I, I thought it was 39. I read 49. Is that the lineup again? Oh. It's a bunch of bullshit, Mike. All right. <laughs> Kendall Grove may never make the main card. Efren Escudero and Gleison Tebow is the only people besides Tom Lawler you're going to recognize on, you know, on the card besides, you know, the old men. I hope Chuck and Tito are making, like, if I pay four, 50 bucks for this thing. You thought it was 40 I thought I read 50 Marcus. Yeah, I mean, I just saw it in an article. It was the article that had that lineup. I thought it said I thought it said $49.99. Okay, well, what the fuck? It doesn't, it doesn't make a difference. Um, I Honestly, I just hope Chuck and Tito are making, like, 35 of these dollars back. <laughs> All right? If <laughs> we're going to do this like this. Um, let's talk about Bellator. Stefan, um, you and I watched the shit out of this, I think. You were watching, right? Um, I caught the main event on the Friday card, but I did see the Saturday card. Okay, so um, Fedor and Chael, you're the only one to pick Fedor. I wasn't feeling bad about my pick, but then the fight started, and Fedor got knocked him on his ass immediately. Um, Fedor was just tagging him left and right. Um, I want to ask you, because ultimately this fight ended with Chael fucking up when he finally got Fedor's back and rolling over and then getting pounded out. I was oddly surprised Chael was still there. Because there's a lot of Chael fights where he gets dropped, and then we're just not fighting any. We're just not fighting. I was kind of impressed Chael was still there that many times. But uh, what do you think of a Fedor going out there and showing he can still, you know, put it together a little bit? I mean, I was saying, you know, again, hindsight is twenty twenty. So this one, it's not as clear of a gloating picture. I was shocked that no one else picked Fedor. Because um, ultimately, when I look, Chael is a middleweight. Yes, Dan Henderson got him, but... The people who are getting Fedor are lighting him up. They're not grappling him to death. Fedor, what's Fedor's loss where he got grappled to death, which was always <coughs> going to be Chael's only avenue. He wasn't going to, uh, an inflated middleweight wasn't going to put him out. He's really not a submission finisher. And as Mark alluded to, Fedor is a good submission fighter for whatever crap you want to give him about his physique or his game plans. Um so it was one very specific avenue to victory to Chael, but Fedor's pretty solid in that regard, too, and he's a real heavyweight. So seeing him just knock Chael around silly, in my head, it's like, as you're watching it happen, it's like, yeah, there wasn't any other outcome. Of course this was going to happen. Um, it's like, I get props to Fedor. Fedor is, clearly still has something there. You can still, still see he has the heart of a competitor, but when he loses, he's just out-techniqued, out-powered. It's just the 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 fading physicality you know the fleetingness of youth that's all it is with fedor way that going for him and it was this, and this also tournament was kind of designed to get him to the finals so yeah i mean honestly it would have been nice that at least one heavyweight made it to the final because on the other let's talk about the other end of the final of the final i don't know i mean i get why people boo fights i was not bored by ryan bader just manhandling matt mitrione because matt mitrione was getting his ass beat while on the ground for a good portion of this fight Steph, Ryan Bader I, is still good. I mean, st I feel, I'm not sure he's getting better still, but he is. this is as good as Ryan Bader is, right? Like, we're seeing it right now. I mean, it's fun. This is what happens when you have a really compelling matchup. You know, it doesn't necessarily give me... We, you know, we had the Bellator champions, the Strike Force champions, and Mark and I would always love to wave their banner, thinking they could be really good in the UFC if they just had their shot. You know, I think we saw a fair enough sample size of Ryan Bader to know what his upward potential was and who he probably would never be able to surmount. But there's something to say for being the big fish in the small pond. It's fun, too. I I totally understand it as a career call. And honestly, we see a lot of guys who probably want to do that, but it doesn't pan out for them, right? We're thinking about, like, Benson Henderson, Roy McDonald, you know, 
it's great to win everything, even if it's of a lesser extent, if you're winning everything. Um, it's nice to see of these high-profile guys who came over from the UFC. It's nice to see, like you said, it's nice to see one heavyweight make it to the finals. It's nice to see one of these ex-UFC guys really asserting that, hey, I maybe I'm not the best in the world, but I'm pretty damn legit otherwise. Uh, Benson Henderson went out there and fought against, I forgot the guy's name. Who was it? Sadawad, sorry. I like Benson Henderson in this mode where he's really grapple-heavy. I think he's at his best. I just love how aggressive he is on the ground. He's going for submissions. He's doing ground and pound stuff. I thought he looked really good. He got almost got tagged a few times, but Sadawad's a solid fighter and really worked on his game, it looked like. But overall, I came out of that fight thinking, Benson Henderson's still Benson Henderson. Like, he could still be Benson Henderson sometimes. Yeah, it's just tough. And the older he gets, it's just gonna, it's also just gonna diminish with him. He's never really had good finishing power in his hands. And while he has really powerful kicks, he tends to be a body kicker, not a head kicker. So he's not gonna really get knockouts that way either. Um, yeah, he, he fights hard, but his style is prone to having a close fight ultimately. So it's just, it's, it's a style that ages poorly. And then finally, this is where you get the gloat all you want. Roy Nelson. Sergey Karatanov, man, I was watching this. I messaged you guys because like Roy Nelson came out, and I'm like, the fuck was I thinking? And then like the fight starts, and I'm like, Sergey is making that mean look he always does. But I'm like, man, Sergey's a fucking kickboxer. Roy throws one punch. Roy better take his ass down. And then when Roy couldn't take him down, Steph, I was like, oh fuck me, he's getting knocked out. <laughs> <laughs> I mean that's that's accurate. Uh, it's one of those things you don't you know we don't really pay attention to Sergey, but he kind of was riding like a five fight win streak into this. And you know, call it what it is, he was like you mentioned, he was a K one kickboxer. He has very credible striking. Um, and most of all, the hell are you guys picking Roy Nelson for? <laughs> like, like I think Mike said he had to be on the other side of me to make up distance. You know, and then at, when I asked Mark, yeah. I, I enjoyed Mark's response most of all was. I just thought Roy would give a shit more than he does. That's a fair <laughs> no. assessment. Roy looked like he gave no fucks. <laughs> um, yeah, like, it's just because it, I was talking to you about this on Saturday night when we were watching uh, the Connor fight. I was bringing up specifically, like, I remember the last time you all picked Roy against me, it was against Fabricio. And I was flabbergasted for the same reasons. Like, Fabricio had this K, or he had this, like, you know, he, he just beat Fedor. Over him. I think his striking's really coming along now. And Roy ha looks terrible and like he should retire. And you're like, I still think Roy's got it. Oh, he's going to grapple yeah. him. He's going to knock him out. That was disappointing. And then, um, so yeah, uh, Czech Congo won and finished a dude. We'll see what happens with the Bellator to wake with, with, with what's going on in Bellator, man. What I want is for Bellator to stop talking about Fedor's sweater. Because this shit was funny like 10 years ago. We can move on. Um, but they auctioned it off. They had to get that hype up. Maybe we can stop talking about it. Um, Mike, Eddie Alvarez is going to one FC. Um, do we, are we just happy my man's getting paid? <laughs> I'm happy when anybody gets money. I mean, what else was he going to prove in the UFC? Right? Like he was champ. He main evented Madison Square. He got a million, he got a seven figure paycheck and main evented Madison Square Garden. Like, what do you want from like, I mean, Marcus, yeah, there's an opportunity here. Fight some lower end dudes and get paid. Why not? Marcus, there's an opportunity here for my man to be a, the only guy to win a championship in Strike Force, not Strike Force, in Bellator, UFC, and fucking uh, one. No and one Bulldog. else has done that. 
And Bodog. Yeah, he, 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 he is one of the guys. Um, he might have the best resume of any lightweight ever. He's one of the few that has gotten a belt in every organization he's been in. And I think the only one that's even close that comes to mind, it was Dan Henderson. I, I guess probably Ben Askren did too, right? Um, but yeah, all two organizations. Them, I don't think anyone's ever done that while going to the UFC. Um, and I could be wrong. I mean, that's something that we really have to check. But yeah, I mean, on, on one hand, it's kind of sad that He's leaving the UFC, which we all kind of agree is, you know, the upper echelon, the top dog when it comes to MMA competition. But now that he's been there and we've seen what he can do, you know, he definitely has the ability to, I think, beat anyone on every any given day. But obviously, Connor is a huge problem for him. Left Southpaws are going to be a huge problem for him, as we saw with the Dustin fight. Um, you know, he got the belt. He got to check that off the, the list. And now if he's going to go to 1FC... And, you know, I, what I would assume, because I don't know the roster there super well, fight lesser opponents. Um, I'm cool with that. Personally, whoa, I would like to see him. Uh-huh. Wait a second. The lightweight champion is also the welterweight champion. His name is Martin Wynn. He's the Situ Asian. That's his nickname. Okay. Not the, not the well, situation. I, I mean, Eddie, the Situ Asian. Eddie could probably <laughs> do that, too. He he When he originally got his belt in Bodog, he was fighting at 170. I mean, he was super small for it, but he did it, and he got it. Um, But, yeah. Um. Personally, if he was going to go into a different organization of the ones that are, you know, of the caliber that I could see him going into, I would like to see him in Ryzen a little bit more. I just, I feel, I just like that organization a little, and I'm a, I'm a little bit more familiar when their events come up than 1FC. I think 1FC has a lot of cards. I'm just like, oh, it happened. Well, you know what it is, Marcus? All the events are free now on their app. And let me tell you, you and oh, me, cool. Eddie, Eddie Alvarez is fighting. We're going to watch. I mean, yeah, we all will watch Eddie Alvarez fight. I want to see where he goes from here. And I like... I, I again, I, I like the rule set in Ryzen a little better because as one FC, I haven't seen their fights recently. They still doing the thing where you can soccer kick, but the referee has to say it's okay, which is very fucking weird. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if they're still I doing. That. They also, don't like they that. also do this thing where you're not cutting weight anymore. Like everybody just okay. kind of moved up 15 pounds. All right, like Ben, I mean, Ben Askren's like the 185 pound champion, but they're calling it welterweight because nobody. Cuts weight anymore. Okay, that's, the thing I mean, that's, doing. that's kind of interesting, I guess. I mean, just just for my opinion, my buck. Him and Ryzen would have been really fun. I mean, Ryzen is kind of the predecessor of Dream, where he kind of made his big splash in, in Pride, and I just like their product a little bit more. They still fight in a ring. It just it gives me good Pride vibes, and I would have loved to see Eddie go there. But one FC will still be fun, and ultimately, we all have to assume right. This dude's making bank if Bellator yeah, didn't want to pick him he's, up and stuff. And he's I was going to say established champion over there. So you said the magic words, Mark. Mike, why the fuck isn't Bellator doing getting him? What are we doing? You know, you you thought that when Scott Coker took over, um, maybe there would be a bit more. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Sane decisions. When, when when it comes to these things. By the way, to be clear, they did not make a serious offer for Eddie Alvarez. Is the word I've, is the word that's out there. So it's, I'm not just pulling this out of my ass. Like he chose one FC, like the, over Bellator's great offer. My understanding is Bellator did not make a serious offer for him. Well, what's that? From what I've read, one FC made a pretty good offer to Eddie Alvarez, right? Maybe they yeah. maybe they just got priced out. I just I'm looking at Ben Ask uh, Ben Michael Chandler versus Brent Primus, wondering what the fuck are we doing. Like, why aren't we watching those guys throw down again? It's, we never it's got, weird. We, I, I, I do wonder if there's some... Bad like, feelings? Bad, yeah, because, I mean, they he, Bellator and Strikeforce kind of were rivals, right? And Eddie Alvarez was one of the guys saying, like, dude, I'll fight, I'll fight Gilbert. Let's do it. Let's do it. And then Strikeforce being, I think, 
at the hierarchy at that point was a little bit bigger. They were not willing to accept that challenge. And obviously we've seen when Scott Coker came into Bellator one, he's not opposed to picking up uh, great talent from the, that the UFC's kind of let go by the wayside. We see that with Rory McDonald and, and basically this whole heavyweight tournament, right? They're almost all UFC castouts. Um, and then we also see, you know, if you used to fight in strike force, Scott Coker is very willing to negotiate with you. You have a past present history with him, like he did with Musashi and a number of other guys. And what's kind of weird with Eddie is like, yeah, they never really had that kind of relationship. They never worked with each other before. And I wonder if there was some, I don't know if bad feelings isn't the right thing, um, but it also would have seemed kind of weird. Hey, Scott a, gave him his release when he took over. Scott's the one who gave yeah, him his so release. Maybe there is some bad blood there. And at the same, but for me personally, um, I think Bellator would be a logical move, but I kind of don't want to see Eddie go. I don't want to see a fighter go back to an organization he's already was at and got a belt into. It just seems kind of like a backward step, kind of. They're so a different place, though. Yeah, I but, mean, even, yeah so, but even though he's going to one FC, and I think you know of the organizations that we're talking about, one FC is kind of like it's not even on the map, really. I mean, especially with your general public, like people do not know what the fuck one FC is. They don't know what Ryzen is either. But it, so that makes it kind of a weird move. But obviously, one FC is interested in picking up these american talent that have names like ben askren right and like um uh what's that guy's name bibiano fernandez what's that guy's name bobby yep. uh, yeah. bibiano so they, they they pick up these high the, the these high caliber fighters but i mean i i think we ultimately see it kind of like a waste like like we saw with ben askren because one we're hardly ever aware of when those fights happen and two, we're just like, even when the well, fights happen, we well, just at least, see a gif of it. And you're like, okay, he, he won a fight. Okay. Well, at least we don't have to sit and wonder what was Betty Eddie and what was Eddie Alvarez capable of. True. Yeah. Like, I'm sitting here with Ben Askren wondering what the fuck was going to be. What could have been. That that. Yeah, exactly. Um. All right. We got to move a little. This is for a show with nothing to pick. We're just a lot to talk about. Um, MMA history real quick. Stefan, October 14, 2006. Anderson Silva started... Maybe the greatest title reign ever in terms of numbers as Mighty Mouse, but in terms of just ridiculous, excellent moments, ups and downs. Anderson Silva went out there, made Rich Franklin's nose go in a different direction. Like, Rich couldn't get out of that clinch and then held that title for, when did, what, like six years? Something that like was, that? That was one of those moments that when a fighter comes out and does something and suddenly there's a topic du jour among the uh, MMA media for a big cycle. After Anderson did that, it was all about that Muay Thai clinching. Is Muay Thai the greatest form of striking? All its advantages over, you know, traditional like uh, Western boxing and all this stuff like Muay Thai is that's that's the greatest style. But it was just really a matter of just Anderson Silva was just that damn good at it. Um yeah, clinch knockouts are among my favorite ways a knockout can occur in fighting. So um, I can definitely thank Anderson's run for that. If you guys can find it, it's from after Anderson fought Chris Le Chris Lieben, where he landed 100% of his strikes in like 40 seconds and put him out. And where they asked Dana White, who's fighting for the title next? And, Anderson, and Dana just looks at the guy like, Anderson Silva, dude, what else did he have to do? He landed all... Do you see what he did? That was... Yeah. I mean, no one no one ages gracefully in MMA, and Anderson's going out like as bad as anybody else is, but there was a point, man. I'm still happy we got to see Anderson fight. I'm always going to be happy for that. Marcus, 21 years ago, Pride gotten, Pride was invented. We talk about it all the time. Main event of the first ever event was um, 
Hicks and Tanaka. Hicks and Gracie versus uh, what's uh, Nobi? Something. What's Takata's first name? Nobi. Nobiyuki. Nobiyuki. I don't know, but the pro wrestler who with the fixed fights um, went out there. Hicks and Gracie biggest it kicked off. Uh, fucking MMA was huge, man, and that kicked it off. In, in yeah. Japan for I mean, a few it, years it, there. It, it, Hickson's lost a lot. I mean, uh, it, he's lost on the common fan base because he was never popular in the States. He was popular in Brazil and really popular in Japan because before Pride, they had the Valley Juto uh, Japan tournament, which Hickson won, which the, the documentary Choke is all about. And uh, there was a big conversation in the MMA community of like who can beat Hickson Who's he going to fight next? There's lots of people that were interested, and Pride was the organization that they were going to hold these fights in. And unfortunately, Hickson fought in this fight. He armbarred uh, Tanaka, I think, really quick in the first fight. They ultimately had a rematch, I think, in like Pride 5, and he armbarred him again. And that was pretty much the end of Hickson's career, unfortunately. He never fought again uh, due to injuries and stuff. He was supposed to fight Boss at one point. Um, all I'll say about like the first Pride event is I love Pride. Before they had their first Grand Prix, it was kind of a sketchy product. It was kind of like it was. They had different mixed fights. I think in that first one, they might have even had like a bare knuckle Kyoko Shin Karate fight. They had like kickboxers come. It was it was kind of a weird. It, Pride One isn't really an event. I would say go back to and watch because there's great fights in that one. Go back and watch because it's kind of historical. But um, those first, I think it was seven or eight Pride events. Um, there's some good matches in there. I mean, Carlos Newton and uh, Sakuraba in Pride 3 and Vernon Tiger White and Sakuraba. You can do a, basically all those Sakuraba fights in those first ones were good. There's a couple of good Eagle Burchanchin knockouts in there too, but it was – they weren't really – Fedor and Vanderlei and all the boys showed up and it started becoming Vanderlei a little got, bit more. He was in seven and that was pretty good. I think seven was a good one. That's where he got Bob Schreiber, but uh, – yeah, it was really, I think after they hit the Grand Prix, they really kind of found their footing and kind of found their voice as an organization and really kind of shined from there. But, you know, you got to start somewhere. And this was a big mega show from one of the most popular Japanese pro wrestlers, basically pro Japanese pro wrestling versus the world. And uh, it was a really interesting event. And obviously it grew from there and became something really special. Yeah, I remember watching Pride events, coming to Mark's house to watch Pride events. Really weird ass fucking hours. Um, Mike, you never really was an MMA. You weren't an MMA fan when Pride was going on. But I would just, I remember like when you started getting into MMA, I would be like, Mike, look up Don Fry and Takayama. Mike, look up, you know, Rampage Arona and shit like that. It was the place to watch some wild ass shit, huh? <laughs> Steroids is a hell of a drug. Rampage was clean. Maybe. I don't know. He probably would just tell us. <laughs> Let's be honest. Rampage was let you know. Stefan, you and me, well, definitely you. I know you say WC is your favorite promotion of all time, but Pride's right up there also. Put on some great fights. I mean, yeah, it's the, it's where I became a fan. Um, yeah, I have memories of watching old school UFC on the uh, old black box that my dad had. Um, but me really gaining an appreciation of MMA was middle school Mark showing me Pride. Um, that's when I saw, like, you know, the version that you know, was the predecessor to the what the product that we currently love more or less. And let's let's not forget that event kicked off. I believe they had the theme song then. That theme song, that is the MMA best theme song for an organization. UFC doesn't even fucking try anymore. They're like, yeah, we have this garbage alt rock from uh, we, we've had fucking face the pain. It's still part of our and lives. We're still man. doing it, but like you can't beat those fucking dum dum. Like those drums and uh, that that just gets you fucking hyped. Everyone that used to watch 
ask anyone that watched Pride is like, talking about that theme song, man. It's like, fuck, yeah. When you hear those fucking drums, Tanaka going out there in the fucking sumo speedo, seeing that dude's bare ass out there, knocking on those drums, you can't help but get excited. <laughs> I mean, Mike, you actually went to an MMA event in Japan. So you got to see what is now like a niche, niche, niche sport. But you was at, you went to Saitama, right? Yeah, Saitama yeah. Super Arena. Yeah, they put like uh, like sixty thousand motherfuckers in that place on a regular basis, Marcus. Right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was it was a real special thing to go to Japan with Bobby and have Mike there and stuff. But man, if I could have gone there back when Pride, back in the Pride days, I mean, that's really when Japan was kicking full gear and all the shit that I was a hundred percent into. Like, man, I, I couldn't imagine I mean, what it would have been like going. I mean, if if I went went to a Pride event, it probably would have been like a fucking horrible experience because I would be. 60,000 like people behind the cage like I don't know if you could see shit in that event but it would have been something to see yeah um yeah man Japanese MMA was the fucking was the shit and don't mistake folks that who what was the number one MMA organization in world in the world it wasn't the UFC pride was pride had the better fighters Pride had it more got attendance. There, but it was Pride during Pride during got there. Good stretch. It was Pride was. And if you wonder what happened, it's called the mob. There you go. That's what happened to Pride. It went away. Simple as that. Um, let's do twenty questions. And the new stuff we like. Marcus, you got a good one? Yeah, uh, I mean, good one. We'll see. You got, I got one? Good. No. So the boys here are going to have twenty questions to guess the fighter that I'm thinking of. Mike, lead us off. Is it a lady? It is not a lady this time. And that is number one. Stefan? Uh, next question in the usual order. Are they an active fighter? Uh, they are an active fighter this week. Ooh, <laughs> For this week, up. they are an active fighter. <laughs> Has this person held a major championship in the respective organizations we talk about to be holding a major championship? Uh, yeah, I would say yes. You can consider this to be a title title holder in a major organization we're talking bellator strike force wec pride dream that kind of stuff i suppose and oh. ufc and and ufc of course like the most obvious one ufc you guys all heard him say dream right just want to put that out there <laughs> <laughs> okay you, you, you think i have a good recollection of all the dream holders of the I world didn't, well, 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 fucking what minimal man was a super hulk champion i mean basically all i got is like is shinhei still yeah. That's what I saw that. <laughs> pretty sure is fighting soon i don't think it's him this week but mark i do hope one of these weeks it's shinya aoki so we can talk about shinya aoki that's what my shinya aoki is what mike and i would watch when i would record the events on access tv and then the next morning we'd put it on and be like did he snap that dude's arm oh yep yeah he did he snapped that shit. <laughs> Sorry, I'm interrupting this game just to put a PSA out there. For those of you who are listening who may be unfamiliar with Shinioki, if you want to watch a boring match but is also potentially really exciting for the tantrum that this man will throw at the end of it, check out some Shinioki. Yeah. Who's, whose arm did he fucking snap with the Kimura? Uh, really hated Perota. that. Perota. Perota. Perota, yeah. Fought in the UFC too, yeah. I also like when he got knocked out. By the kickboxer. All right, enough of Shinya Hoka. We might right. talk to him at the end of this thing. <laughs> the fighter, but um, okay, uh, he's an active fighter. So is it Mike? Mike is it your turn? Yes. Uh, do they currently fight for the UFC? Uh, they do currently fight for the UFC, right. and that's four. Was this person when they were champion? Was there a champion? Were they a champion in the UFC? 
Uh, were, so were they ever a champion of the UFC? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, they were not. Okay. Ooh. Steph? Were they welterweight or below? Uh, no, they were not welterweight or below. So we got a middleweight, light heavyweight, or a heavyweight. Mike? Uh, I'm asking uh, the the other guys, not you, uh, Mark. What did uh, Hector, Hector Lombard fight at? Uh, in the UFC, 170 and 185. But he was the Bellator 185-pound champion. Okay. And he hasn't been cut yet, I don't think. So that was kind of... That, that was the one person I <laughs> yeah, was thinking about. He got beat by Talos Latis, and Latis retired. It was like, put <laughs> <laughs> your gloves in there too, bro. <laughs> I digress. I digress. Just pitch that shit in there uh, while you're leaving. <laughs> is, uh, is this guy a brown man? Uh, okay. <laughs> oh, could this, you not word is, that stranger <laughs> uh, yes this this man's complexion has a round into i don't know i cannot uh, dig my way out mark of <laughs> mark uh has had some trouble telling races apart in the past in this game so i'm just going with colors now colors works <laughs> was this is this person cuban uh is this person cuban no Okay, so there you go. There's ooh, ooh, we have eliminated Hector. Yeah, okay. Okay, we gotta think of some champs. Stefan, <laughs> been a goldfish get, get. Stefan ask a real fucking question. <laughs> Stefan, let's narrow down some more weight classes. Um I mean Were they a light heavyweight and up then? Uh yeah, they were light heavyweight and up. All right. Alright, we're down to two. And they were not a champion in the UFC. Who were the champions? Okay, let's see. And he's He's an active UFC fighter. Correct. But he's been a champion other places. Correct. Hey, is this going to be, is this stuff, is this going to be over him? I think it could be uh, David Branch. I think Mark would want to talk about Overeem before he wanted to talk about <laughs> David Branch, to be honest. It's not Marcus, about what I want to talk about. I often forget that we're supposed to talk has, about that. Marcus, has this guy competed in kickboxing as well? Uh... Yeah, this guy did a little kickboxing. There's no way it's over. He did a little kickboxing. What do you mean? He's Mark's trying to play a game here. Well, how many questions are we at? Uh, that was 10. That was 10. Oh, wait, Is he a heavyweight? Might, it, it might not be David Branch. Uh, Is he a heavyweight, Mark? Uh, yeah, this gentleman has fought at heavyweight. Overeem used to fight at heavyweight. Yeah, Overeem, oh, okay. Whoa, 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 whoa. That's not really answering the question. You asked, yeah. is he heavyweight? He is says, he, when I say is he heavyweight, does I mean is he fighting at heavyweight right now? That's what is yeah, he heavyweight he's man. fighting at heavyweight now. Okay. All right. Thank you for the clarification. I think I still think it's Overeem, by the way. Just putting that yeah, out Yeah, you want to just ask, is he Dutch? <laughs> Go ahead. Mark? Oh, is he Dutch? Uh... <laughs> Mark's really selling it as if it's Overeem. <laughs> He happens to be Dutch. <laughs> Mar Marcus, did he did he knock out Todd Duffy in Japan? Uh, in Japan? <laughs> he did. He did. That's true. <laughs> wearing Todd Duffy. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Somebody want to ask another question, or are we going to say nah, this? I think I think we're good. Is it uh, is it Alistar Overeem? Yes, in 14 questions, you guys got Alistar over him. Good job. I feel the last like three or four, we were all pretty sure. It was probably I mean, I kind of fucked up when I said dream, and you guys like dream, and I was like, oh, <laughs> honestly, when you said dream, I'm like, it's Musasi or Overeem? Come on now. 
But then, like, you know, Mike went down the, he, the fucking Hector Lombard path. I had to eliminate that shit. That's true. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, Brown. I didn't go down the Hector it, Lombard yeah. path, but I narrowed it down with Brown. Okay. Okay. To clue Stefan in, though, this was the scenario, okay? Who is the guy? I think, was it Musashi? No. It was Carl Parisian, and they asked if he was white. Is this oh, yeah. guy white? And that's where I was like, oh, fuck. I mean, his complexion's kind of white, but he's also kind of tan. But he's not, he's not European. Armenia, Armenian's a uh, gray area, man. <laughs> so I get shit on that, but it was like, if I would have given you the wrong answer and said, oh no, he's not white. Did you fuck up Ensign anyway, though? Yeah, I would never know. Yeah, that one I fucked up. I thought he was from Japan. <laughs> I mean, uh, I, uh, what, instead of Hawaii? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, with Armenian, as Donald Glover refers, he says Armenians are the black girls of white girls. So it is a gray area. What that does that fair. mean? What do I exactly? Do I, have no, 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 no. What I, do I say? Mark, I have I have a good way for you to be able to tell if someone asks if he's white. This is how you tell um, whether to say yes or no. Do the KKK and neo Nazis have problems with? It? They have problems with everybody, Mike. That doesn't help. They I mean, got problems with, but they would have problems with him, for the right? basis of race. They got problems with Mark. I mean, a lot of Jewish people look like <laughs> yeah, I was gonna white, say. so they got yeah. Marcus, you want to talk about your favorite heavyweight of all time? Uh, yeah. I mean, let's talk about. <laughs> Wait, is it is it him or is it Josh Barnett? Uh, oof, I don't know. When I, Josh like, Barnett, Josh Barnett really didn't care to meet you that much. Let's be honest. Maybe that's over true. Himself. But I never <laughs> met over him. I, I can almost guarantee you, over not gonna like to meet me either. <laughs> 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 A lot of people don't. Mark, you pissed off some famous people. I realized just randomly. Mark Overeem had the Reem documentary series. Oh, that is one of the greatest documentary series of all time. That's true. That is a good documentary. Um, you know, I, I liked Alistair Overeem. He came on my radar. Um, you know, kind of early in his career when he when he made it over into Pride. Um, and I just love the dude's style. I like. I remember back when I was watching MMA, I really gravitated to guys that kind of had a unique fight style, and he had a very strong interesting Muay Thai style where he was throwing a lot of knees standing in the clinch and was finishing guys with knees to the body. And really it was his fight against Chuck Liddell that even in a losing effort where dude got fucking knocked the fuck out. But his, those moments in the early part of the fight where he's kneeing Chuck in the head, he's kneeing him to the body really hard. He's hitting him with these big hooks. Um, I was just like, fuck, I love this dude's style. And actually um, to, to rewind a little bit, I was actually aware of his brother, Valentine Overeem, who actually had a pretty good stint in rings and then moved over to Pride, where he did not look good in Pride. He really, he, After his ring stint, um, his uh, brother, Valentine, really never got it together. Um, but no, I just loved um, Overeem's, uh, just the way he fought in Pride. His style was just so cool. Those knees were so vicious on the ground and standing. And uh, watching him uh, through the, the Reem documentary that, that uh, Stefan mentioned him, Watching him kind of morph into a heavyweight fighter, into obviously now we can say probably a roided out freakazoid man. He was just so fun to watch when he was that big. He was, I mean, it kind of shows you what performance enhancing drugs can potentially do for an athlete and just see the bulk and athleticism and just see this dude at another level that we've never seen him at. Um, just demolishing guys in kickboxing, which he, he his first couple stints in kickboxing didn't go super well. Um, but you know, he got, got in shape to do it at the K one level and had, you know, he became one of only, I think he's the only fighter to have three titles and three different organizations at once. That was strike force dream and K one. Um, and you know, do you remember, do you remember dream didn't want to give him the full belt. They just called it the interim title. That was real yeah, fucking was weird. weird. It was like, they didn't have a belt. He was the only one to, to fight for it, win it and never defend it. 
So that, that's part of his legacy is he wanted a belt. He wanted belts. He fucking he wanted a belt. Nate Diaz. But yeah, always a big fan of Alistair. And obviously he's a still a current fighter today. He had a really tough fight against Curtis Blaze where he didn't just lose, but he got beat up and bludgeoned uh, pretty badly. But uh, always a big fan. You know, I think his best days may be behind him. We'll see. We'll see what he can do. Um, going forward, but yeah, big fan. And you haven't checked Mark, out Marcus. Over. You said uh, you, earlier you said you don't like want to see Eddie Alvarez go backwards. I want to see Alistair over him go backwards. Exactly. I want yeah, him to go. Too. There was ever anybody like look and look. I'm going to say this, and it's going to sound mean, but Alistair over him when he gets knocked out is my favorite person to watch get knocked out. Let me put that aside first, just because like the man just escapes the realm. But he's standing there. But he's also getting knocked out a lot right now. But when he was like Uberim. My man wasn't getting knocked out. He was winning kickboxing tournaments. It was a lot of fun. Can, it was just a lot of fun. <laughs> can one of you remind me, since we did go down the steroids route with him, what was his his what was his historically bad ratio when he failed that one test? I think it was fourteen to one or yep. something like that. <laughs> that that that's what you need to know, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Is uh, Mega Reem was fourteen times a man. And, there that video. Uh, there's that video. He, I definitely believe it. There was that video on YouTube of like when he was weighing in for the Brock fight when he was still on the gas, where they showed a, they zoomed in on Ari- Ariani's face and Ariani just had a look on her face like holy fuck, what yeah. the fuck um, is that? Around this time, <laughs> one of my favorite moments from the Ream was uh, Alistair was in Japan and he visited some business office and he got like a domino like amount of Japanese businessman with the front one holding a Muay Thai pad. And then Overeem needed with all his might, and it was just a sea of Japanese men toppling over from the force of his knee. Um, that was a sight to behold back in the day. I mean, let's just bust out the quote, right, Stefan? It's the most. It's our favorite line from that article from Cracked. Um, Alistair Overeem is a Dutch kickboxer who looks like someone at Marvel Comics drew a man genetically engineered to fuck your girlfriend. That's. I thought that was a Rogan thing. Did Rogan steal that? No, Rogan. Rogan. Everybody read that same article. That dude was hilarious. Who wrote that? Remember that guy, Steph? Um, uh, yeah, Sean the, Bain- the greatest thing that ever happened in Cracked was that random guy who made the comment about uh, the Africans bringing help to the fight. Well, that was Middle East. That was the best. Middle not Cracked. That was. That was. I remember reading that in class and showing it to Mike. Where like I'm, this is a really this is a side note, but fuck it, we're already down the rabbit hole. Where it said John Jones will bring God to the cage with him against whoever. And um, the best because the comment said, what was the stuff like? Uh, do you remember it at all? Fuck. Help me out, Stefan. Like in my country, like Africans always a- Africans uh, always bring help to fight. Yeah, and I was dying laughing, and I showed it to Mike, and we're in class, and Mike's not trying to laugh. But then, like, I see I has a, the, the comment has two likes, and I'm like, and I showed it to Stefan, I'm like, well, there's the two likes. They both found that hilarious. Middle Easy, guys, used to be a great site. Great site for entertainment like that. It's uh, uh, sites like that that made us think, hey, we could do MMA media, too. Standards yeah, man. are pretty low. Oh, God, they, took, they finally took away that article about Fujita's... It was an entire article that got wrote about Kazuyuki Fujita's skull, about how he was impossible to knock out. Old Ironhead, I believe his nickname was, right, Marcus? Yep, yep. Yeah, and it talked about how Ken Shamrock gave himself a heart attack trying to knock out Fujita. That was Fujita. He literally pulled a Homer Simpson, but instead of pushing him over, he just grabbed him against the corner. And and Ken was like, "I'm too tired, bro. I'm done. You win. I feel like as badly as I can, and you win." Ken just had like a goddamn arrhythmia, and that was the end of the fight. 
Like, it was rough. And then, like, finally over him, need him so bad, it looked like he was in a fucking coma. Yeah, there were some bad ones in there. Uh, God, there was a couple for Fujita in there. But, man, bring back Uberim. Look, I'm not trying to get, like, I mean, look, send him to Japan. Let him go on talk shows and punch guys in the guts. Let him kick over little girls holding, you know, kick pads. It was fun. Let's do that. Let's, I don't need him, I mean, I don't need to see 250-pound Overeem just, it's not, he's he's been knocked out, like, yeah. what, 12 he times? Shot. 13 he times? Got his title shot, it didn't work out. He beat Badahari for the love of God. He beat Badahari. <laughs> That's so hard. Nobody beats Badahari. <laughs> and he, he knocked him out, right, Marcus? Yeah, they had a knockout on each other. I think they both had one. Yeah, one of them is one of the greatest kickboxers ever. The other one's Alistair Overeem. He was on all the steroids, and he knocked out Badahari. I don't think Badahari ever won the K1 Grand Prix. That's because he kept getting arrested. Bad- <laughs> Rico Verhoeven was getting his ass kicked by Badahari before Badahari got true. cut. That's true. <laughs> um, are we gonna do stuff we like? And just is there anything else we want to say about the Reem and its great and his great no, documentary? I think, I think we 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 gave Reem more than enough time on the podcast because I also talk about him every other week anyway. So yeah, that's true. We talked about Aoki. We talked about Fujita. Yeah, it was I, a good I, time. I kind of hijacked that. I just had all these great memories of Aoki's bring to mind. F- Fujita broke a dude's arm and ran around flipping everybody off. Just what a fucking guy. Um, stuff we like. Mike, my man, you went to Italy. You got any? You got some good shit to tell us? Uh, yes. Yes, I do. Um, I went to Italy, as Bobby just said, for a wedding of a former colleague of mine of the place where I work. Um, it was my first time in Italy, uh, also my first time in Europe. And I think normally when people go to new places, uh, you know, they go and they get the hits first, you know, much like how, when you go to McDonald's for the first time, you get the big Mac, you don't get the chicken club sandwich. What are you doing? That's, that's just stupid. Uh, in my case, I didn't get the big Mac. I didn't get the chicken club sandwich. I got the salad. Um, and in this case, the salad is Bernalda, Italy. Where is Bernalda, Italy? Nobody knows. As I told the guys on uh, right before the podcast, even my Italian colleague who attended the wedding with us, when he found out it, the wedding was in Bernalda, he said, where the F is Bernalda? I have never heard of this place before. Sure enough, I flew into a small airport called Bari International Airport. And then from there, I had to rent a car and drive about an hour and 45 minutes to get to the little podunk town of... Good thing you had that international driver's license still, brother. No, I actually had to get a new one because I only got a uh, a year for my international driver's license. Uh, and then the best part was that at the gate at JFK, uh, I had done the smart thing and tried to have carry on for my bag. No, no, no. The small little Italian woman at the at the gate at JFK said, no, you must check your bag. And at that moment, I texted my friends that I was meeting over there and sa- and told them, my bags are not making it with me to Bernalda. Sure enough. I know it was a little Italian woman, but your uh, inadvertent Habib impression was on point, Mike. Oh, I wasn't even trying to do an impression. <laughs> That's why I said inadvertent. <laughs> you were going for a little Italian woman, but I got an excellent Habib right there. <laughs> uh, sure enough, when I got to Bari International Airport, 
my bag was not there and i had my first experience i think with uh with italian hospitality and woof that shit failed with sinking colors holy fuck was that woman rude um she basically lied right to my face um when i asked her um so first i asked her so are you going to bring my bag soon she's like yes 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 of course of course um and then she tried to shoo me away to which i told her hey don't you need the address to where i'm gonna stay to take my bags to me oh yes yes yes, of course of course um she writes it down and she tries to shoo me away again and i ask her so can you tell me when my bags would come she's like um you'll be here for a week a week yes and i tell her no i leave in three days and i have a wedding in two days like i i, I need to know what my bag is she keeps trying to shoot me away i left there her telling me the bags would be coming in the morning luckily my airbnb lady calls in italian when i get to my place and they say oh no 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 you have to go back tomorrow so i drove an hour 45 minutes supernalda and then in the morning the next morning i had to drive an hour 45 minutes back to get my bag and drive back um oh and also um go figure uh europeans in a very small remote town will stare at the brown and chinese kid who are just walking down the street of their town Go that's not limit that's not necessarily limited to the small towns so this uh sounds mike, like a place mike this sounds like something mike liked <laughs> it, besides all of that it, it was an enjoyable thing uh there was actually a town uh maybe about 30 kilometers away um called the uh, meta ponto something like that and it's the it's been deemed the oldest inhabited city um anywhere supposedly and it looked really super old and i learned that it became really famous because that's where the passion of the christ was filmed okay so mike um you're gonna notice I dropped you an email in your uh, uh, your mailbox. This is for Stephanie Gomez. She's a vacation advisor. She's gonna help you have fun when you go out of the fucking country. Because in the beginning of this, I was gonna be like, let me guess, Mike went to the World War II Holocaust Museum in Italy and talked about how all the bad shit happened there, just like he did in Japan. But instead, it's like I went to the shittiest town and met Mar Marcus. That I mean, that's the thing people this podcast never got to enjoy. Oh, was Mike's, right. I was in the Mike's, Mike's half asleep <laughs> tale of the fucking nuclear bomb museum. That was like Italy, I was like, oh, they were involved in World War II. So I Mike went on for like all I know is that Mike went on for like twenty five minutes about this fucking museum, and then when the podcast it didn't record right, I called Stefan, and Stefan's reaction was, "That's too bad." You know what? Maybe not. <laughs> like Stefan immediately was like, was like, "Man, Mike was real dark." Fall apart. I mean, we ended on five minutes of Mike. Explaining how nuclear blasts leave these shadowy ashes <laughs> of people eviscerated by the flame, and I was like, "What are we talking about right now, guys?" Yeah, what is, like, what is happening? Uh, 
you're like we just like I think we're like you and me are just trying to look at each other because Mike's half asleep telling the story. We're like, the fuck is happening? Like, where are we going with this? I'm just playing with Mike, but uh, I did I did I did think for a second he's definitely going to World War II Museum for sure. Uh, but the pasta was great there. The gelato was great there. Pretty all the food was great over there. Um, but I think the most pleasant surprise I got from my entire trip uh, to Italy was on my plane ride back. As you guys know, you're kind of stuck with whatever movies Ooh, what they seen. have on those uh, planes. And I had seen pretty much everything except this one movie. I thought, you know what? I've got about three and a half hours left on this uh plane ride back to jfk let me try out this movie that's been out for about seven years and i was pleasantly surprised at how good it was uh steve carell and ryan gosling's crazy stupid love ah oh, st- this is a this is a sleeper hit for me and stefan really for just one yeah. line in the movie <laughs> it would mike it had mike be better than the gap okay laughing at certain air at certain yeah, parts mike. of the movie that's the only just, thing you need to remember mike is be better, be better than the gap yeah. Yes. Be better than the gap. I, we've said this to each other multiple times. I'm not sure it's even that good of a movie. That like Ryan Gosling does enough funny shit in this movie but for Ra- me that really. Ryan hangs. Gosling was really good in this movie. I, I also researched it later on. Uh, he apparently was nominated for a Golden Globe. He was on it. I mean, it was. It's a solid time that movie. And yeah, the, uh, be better the, than the gap. The twist involving Eva Stone also got me like, holy shit! I didn't even realize that. Yeah, and Marissa Tomei still. What's up, huh? Oh, Marissa Tomei was great. Look, the movie's good. All right, yeah. <laughs> Brian Gosling was the best part of the movie, but it was a great movie. Uh, yeah, I, I, dude, I had a good time with that. I know a lot of people didn't like it. I was like, that went as well as I expect a movie like that to go. That was I had a good time. Um, and yeah, don't you don't you don't drink your drink out of a straw at a bar, <laughs> like you're like you're sucking on a dick or something. Like yeah, that's <laughs> Ryan Gosling taught you that much, Mike. <laughs> um. My, I'm gonna go. I'll my, go last. My Marcus, in your face for the last 20 minutes. There'd be a problem <laughs> if you didn't have a problem with it. <laughs> Marcus, what do you got this week? Uh, I'm already a fucking hour and a half. Jesus. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll try to keep it short. I do have a number of things though. Uh, just to run through the video games real quick. Uh, Battle Star Link, Battle Link, Star Link Battle for something. I don't fucking know, but it's a space shooter. It's coming out for Switch, uh, PS4, and Xbox One. This one's kind of cool on Switch. They actually have uh, Fox McCloud, who is the character from Star Fox. Um, he's actually, you can play as him in the game. You can play in the R-Ring, which is the ship that you uh, control in Star Fox. And he has his own separate storyline in the game, which I think is a really cool uh, addition. So I'm interested in checking that out. Um, if your soul still burns for Soul Calibur, Soul Calibur 6 is coming out on Friday. I'm kind of excited for that. It's been a while since I got my hands on a new Soul Calibur game. Uh, but I wanted to mention a couple Netflix shows that I've been checking out this week. Um, one of them is just a, a shout out to Bobby and maybe Mike. I don't know. But I finally started watching American Vandal. And uh, yeah, I've been really digging it. Um, I think... The hurdle you have to get over with the show early is that it's it's a mockumentary based in high school. So there's lots of kind of lowbrow humor that at first I was like, okay, I'm not really digging kind of like I'm at the point in my life where you can't just say dicks and you're going to get an easy laugh out of me. And if you think you are and you keep doing that, it's just going to get harder for me to get engaged with it. But um, it's just a really actually a great a great written show uh, you end up really getting invested in the characters that you're meeting through the mockumentary and it, it's kind of a staple of the shows that they're mocking 
Um, but having these weird circumstances where it's like, oh man, like this, you can kind of see how this could and couldn't happen. Um, those instances are really fascinating on actual documentaries because it's in crazy way. Like in reality, these scenarios play out so closely together. Obviously, in a written show, it, that doesn't have the same effect because you know, like, well, they just written this to make it so close or whatever. Um, but it still gets you engaged because it's so well produced and written that um, you just get invested in the characters and the story, and you want to see what happens next. Um, I am interested. Uh, Bobby mentioned a couple weeks ago, season two's out. I'm interested to see how they keep me invested because it's it's in the same school, right, Bob? Is it not like the same? No, no. It's okay. they basically these guys like it's almost kind of meta where they're like they're basically they made this documentary and Netflix showed it, so now these two kids are doing Peter the same and, thing. Okay, they're like some other school hired. Okay, them, okay, okay. That premise kind of can work better for me it kind of make me because I, I felt like it was just happening at the same school again so like it's too coincidental but uh no it's actually a really good show i haven't finished it yet i think i'm like six or seven in uh but i've really been enjoying it um there is one other netflix show that i don't know if the guys have started watching it's beginning a lot of buzz that just came out on friday it's called and it has the fucking dumbest name it's i like it so much i learned the name but it's so hard to remember before i started watching it the haunting of hill house because there's fucking three other movies called like the house on haunted hill it's just like oh why put those words in that order i'm, I'm um, familiar but, with what you're talking about mark but it doesn't touch worse name because what was the show that had the name so bad that no matter how much bobby pitches it i will never watch it is scrotal recall recall show <laughs> okay that is really bad they had to change the name of it it's <laughs> but just the the haunting of hill house is just it for me it's just like i know other movies that sound like it's i have to literally think about the title to say it correctly uh, really good show though um i'm not super into horror um i obviously i don't mind a kind of jump scare every now and then but if your whole premise is just doing that shit over and over again i'm out uh but no th this show is extremely um atmospheric and um it does have you know more psychological horror to it as well and there is some jump scare stuff it's not really just like loud noise in your face spooky image um, but it has that stuff, but it earns those scares a little bit more where it's setting the tone and it's setting your expectations. And they do. And honestly, the show just does some really cool shit. Um, again, kind of like American Vandal. Haven't finished it yet. I think I've watched six episodes, but they have they have one of those classic Netflix scenes where it's just one long take. And that, those are always interesting because it's one of those things like you don't notice it right away. And after like five minutes, I'm watching it with my fiance, Christine. I'm like, I don't think they've cut. I think this has been one long take. And she's like, yeah, no, it has been. And it, it goes on for a, a really, you know, in, a, 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 that one take goes into really interesting directions that it's not just amazing that all the actors are able to know all the lines and hit all the beats, but just like set wise, what they do is really interesting. Um, but I did want to have one knock on this in all Netflix shows that I'm sure you guys have even noticed it, but like this being a new Netflix show that I'm watching their fucking open title card scene like you can't just keep zooming in on an object and panning and having that be your fucking open scene because they do it for fucking everything every netflix show all the net all the uh marvel ones with daredevil it's a statue of the statue of liberty or the lady justice and they zoom in close and pan when i watch mine hunters it's here's a tape recorder zoom in close pan this fucking show it's creepy statues zoom in close pan it's just like i get it like you're making a fucking hundred tv shows it's hard to think of original title credits but it's just like i know i'm just gonna see that same shit over and over again because it's artistic it sets the mood but it's just they've done it so much like i 
I don't know the next time I'm going to watch a Netflix show and have them do that again and be like, I'm so glad I can skip this because I've seen this not only in this show too many times, but every other show you've done. But fucking quality, quality uh, series they got going on there, especially October. You, you know, I'm kind of in the mood for something kind of spooky. And, you know, it's not crazy, you know, uh, but they do a lot of interesting stuff with uh, time periods and stuff. They go in the back and in present day a lot, which makes it interesting. So, yeah, awesome show. Stefan. Um, the first thing I'll start with is uh, it's kind of a somber thing, uh, not stuff I like, but it's a person who I liked. Um, Paul Allen passed away today. Um, That's huge. That was huge. Yeah, Paul yeah. Allen. Um, if the name's not immediately familiar, he was the co-founder of Microsoft. Um, and if that doesn't say enough, he also owned the Seattle Seahawks, the Portland Trailblazers, and the NBA. Um, he owned. He was one of the co-owners of uh, the Sounders FC, their soccer team. Um, there's a lot of bad rich people in the world. I don't think, I think Paul Allen was one of the good ones. Um, this guy gave so much of his for fortune to humanitarian benefits. Um, his efforts to invest in the cities kept the Seahawks in Seattle um, and kept the trailblazers from folding in Portland. Um, I went to school in the Pacific Northwest. It doesn't get a lot of glory or attention for very many reasons, um, there's a lot of cool people up there and they're very passionate and loyal to their their sports teams is something i always appreciate you know here in the bay area we have the san jose sharks where this city has one thing and boy do they love them um you know uh, portland's that way with basketball seattle um there's that viral clip of uh in the wwe where the guys were booed mercilessly because you say say spoke ill of the sonics um because that's how much passion is in these areas and you know a guy who was self-made and reinvested in his home that is something i can really respect and appreciate you know if i had the means i would love to lift up my neighborhood i would love to give employment to my neighbors and everything like and this is a guy who did it um unfortunately he had a relapse of lymphoma which he i think he initially beat it back in 2009 i want to say but um it relapsed you know 65 is it's really not that old so it's kind of unfortunate um you know, everyone everyone knows the expression of fuck cancer, but um it took away his, his, it, it took away one of the good ones from us today. His contributions to Microsoft cannot be uh overstated. He's like he's kinda like Waz where the other guy gets more attention. Um and there was a point where Bill actually was trying to buy him out and Paul Allen said no, and that's why he became a billionaire because the company went public. But he was, it was him and Bill Gates. They founded that thing, writing basic on, you know, the, the whole thing with DOS and all that. Paul Allen was a important, important man for the sake of American business. We're all still using fucking Windows. Like, it's, be clear about this. Everybody's still using fucking, every business is still running Windows. You know, their market share on actual businesses, yeah, Microsoft is off the fucking charts. And his contribution cannot be overstated at that point. A real sad thing because he just got sick up like real quick again. Yeah. They announced it really quick. I mean, maybe he didn't want to announce it, you know, too like too soon. But like that should happen real quick. You know, like weeks ago they said he got sick again. Um, um, yeah. I mean, rest in peace, Paul Allen, and thank you for everything he did. Um, I had one other thing. I'll try to make it quick. Um, I'm in a good movie seeing run right now. Uh, I saw First Man. Speaking of, uh, you know, brought up Ryan Gosling, Ryan Gosling playing Neil Armstrong um, and kind of the background story of the moon landing and the first man on the moon, uh, hence the title. But uh, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I know I've seen some of the reviews of it. And if you read a review that says it could be a little boring and it might drag at times, they're definitely not wrong about that. 
Um, it's definitely very slow burn at times, but um, just personally, I have a fascination with the history of NASA. Um, I find a lot of this stuff really compelling. The space race, even though it was before my childhood, um, it's something that I kind of look back as a really, you know, key moment in history. And I appreciate a learning a lot of the background around it. Uh, of course, some of it is sensationalized. And um, I'm going to tell you right now that one of the biggest critiques about it is the emotional crux of the movie apparently has no citable source in the real world. So it seems like it may have been entirely fictional. Um, and that's upsetting to some people. But, um, you know, there's still yes. a lot of history that's accurate. I love time period movies where they use footage and you know, sound bites of that era. So when you see them watch the TV news, these are the real broadcasts that were actually airing back then. Um, as a history buff, I just find that stuff cool. If if you like history, if you are interested in NASA and any of those things, I think First Man's worth your time. I, I just admittedly, it's going to be a slow movie. It's not an action movie. You know, man, I thought I, I thought I was going to have to see this. I thought I thought none of you guys wanted to give a shit. None of you guys gave a shit. I was going to see that shit myself. I don't know. You want to see that? I see movies, I Bobby. See that. Bobby, I just see movies. I gotta see that movie. Um. All right, you got anything else, brother? Uh, that's good for now. Yeah. Um, I'm not so much going to give you something I like as so much something I want to just bring to everybody's attention because that's, I think, the most responsible thing I can do in, you know, this thing. And um, that whole thing, uh, people aren't paying attention to the news. The Saudi government may or may not have ordered the killing of a Turkish journalist um, who was critical of the regime. And by may or may not of, come on, just saying, we all think the one way or another. Um, why I'm bringing this up is that World Wrestling Entertainment WWE struck a deal with the Crown Pist with the Saudi government and you know the, the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia to put on a bunch of events over a ten year period where they are making an unreasonable amount of money. Um, the WWE wrestlers are all independent contractors and their biggest payday is normal, normally WrestleMania. These events are paying them two or three times WrestleMania payouts. Um, they did an event back in April where they aired some blatant propaganda in favor of the Saudi government that made everybody feel fucking gross. They didn't bring any women wrestlers at all, made everybody feel pretty fucking gross. Um, they do another event in two weeks. Um, or three weeks, two or three weeks. Again, um, they've also announced an all-women's pay-per-view, so we all know that's just being done just to cover their asses this time a little bit. Why I'm bringing this up is that while everybody else is trying to pull out of agreements with um, Saudi Arabia, WWE ain't done shit yet. They're going to go over there because um, Vince McMahon's a carny, and he could give a shit, if we're being honest with ourselves. Um, I just want to point out that the king, the, 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 not the king, the Saudi prince that order, that allegedly ordered the killing of this journalist is the exact same motherfucker that they cut a deal with. He's the one who cut the deal with them. So I know everybody's got to get paid, man. And word on the street is the wrestlers don't want to go. And the wrestling industry, as strong as the independent game is, not everybody can be the Young Bucks or Cody Rhodes and everybody needs to keep their fucking job. And I get it. Bobby. But. Could this be how Habib gets into the WWE? <laughs> oh, like, fuck, man. Like, money. You know what, man? This is like this is like a level of shit where like everybody's just like, and that's why I'm bringing this up because everybody's just like, you should cancel your network subscription and all that shit. And like nobody's like, look, I got a network subscription. I could cancel it. I'm going to turn it back on afterwards. Plus, probably if I did that. We're, it, it's not even just WWE. It's like 
our government is like super into Saudi shit. It's worth mentioning the, the guy who's the chairman of the WWE. His wife is in the fucking cabinet. Linda McMahon is, you don't hear about Linda McMahon in the cabinet because God bless her. She's the only one who appears not to have fucked anything up yet. All right. At least not publicly. Um, this is embarrassing. This is the type of shit that's embarrassing. I get your business. You got to get paid, but read the fucking room. Come on. And I'm just bringing it up because this is all I got, man. I got a podcast with you guys listening, and some of you didn't know about this. So John Oliver was talking about it, shitting on WWE last night. More people are talking about it. That's And fucking Shawn Michaels came out of retirement for this. That's how much they're paying them. Shawn Michaels, who had one of the greatest retirements ever, decided, like, fuck me. They're paying that much money? I got two kids in college. So I get it, all right? Everybody's got to get paid. Maybe we do the show in the UK. Huh? They all love wrestling. Put it over there. That's it. It's fucking gross. It's just fucking gross. I mean, anybody got anything? Now, Mike, you didn't know about that, right? I feel I educated you at least. Well, if you don't mind me putting some spin, I'm gonna just take us to a bleaker place because I also listen uh, to some new stuff. I, I didn't know about them doing a show at the WWE. There we go. I at least told Mike, and Mike can be like, "What the fuck are they doing?" <laughs> uh, I listen to new stuff, and the new stuff that I like to read is very not popular. You, th- John Oliver doesn't want to even talk about this. This is how unpopular it is. Scientists told us we got two decades left on this good Earth, and we ain't doing <laughs> shit about it. So maybe uh. these wrestlers know what they're doing, and they're getting theirs now. Um, <laughs> Jesus I, Christ. I, I disagree with that, Steph. We are doing something about it. Uh, our president... Leaning and uh, accelerating? We're leaning into it. it. He's back. <laughs> Yeah, we're leading into it. <laughs> Donald Trump said today, oh, it'll change back. Yeah, it's a change. Uh, it gets hot, it gets cold. Come on. <laughs> it's just, it, we'll just have two different Earths. It'll be with people and now without them. No, man, no, 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 no. What you're not understanding, it's like when you use the hot water in a very old house. When you, it'll get real hot at first, but then it'll get cold. It'll cool down. <laughs> yeah. No, you know what? Remember this real hot, we burn to death. And then like <laughs> generations later, then it cools down. Do you remember the Simpsons episode where they had to move the town five miles down a road? We're going to have to do that. Like We're going to have to go a planet down that the road. That moon is looking real nice all of a sudden. <laughs> that moon is looking cool. <laughs> that moon gets hot and cold too. So we'll be used to it. I remember Deep Impact, man. Not everybody got to go in the bunker. I'm just saying. When do the lottery tickets come out? Um, yeah, man. It's I look. Vince is 75 years old. I said he's a fucking carny. He's maybe the greatest promoter that ever lived, and he lives in a fucking bubble. And these people are paying these guys a lot of money, but you're still a person. So, just saying. I don't know. Maybe let the guys not go if they don't want to go. Kane is the mayor of a fucking U.S. city, and he's going. So point that out there. Maybe he wants to rethink that himself, at least. <laughs> yeah, they don't need Kane. He can stay. He's all right. He's, all right. He, he, he's in the main event. <laughs> really? It's, God, I forgot. It's, it's Taker and Kane versus Michaels mm-hmm. and, H- and uh, Hunter Hearst. No, Thomas I forgot Triple H. this guy. He loves wrestling, but only from, like, 98. <laughs> I told you, man. They, he asked for Yokozuna last time. And they had to tell him Yoko's been dead for fucking 17 years. All right? All right fair enough. He asked for Doink and Yokozuna. All right? Um, yeah, I didn't want to leave us, leaving us on a sound note. But, all right, we'll be back next week. I don't see a scenario where we're going to pick that entire card. But I feel we owe it to Anthony Smith, who wins, keeps winning fucking fights, to at least pick his fight. So we're going to talk about Anthony Smith versus, uh, no I want to say Tiago. Sa- 
Who? He got no time. Okay, I was wrong. I thought it was Anthony. I thought it was somebody else. Volkan Ozdemir versus Anthony Smith. That's a good fight. And Artem Lobov might fight uh, Michael Johnson, I guess. You might then, have uh, a reason to pick Michael Johnson in a fighting Yeah. Team. And then Misha Serkinov, Pat Cummins. I feel it's not going to go well. Ed Herman, John Vellante, our guy Court McGee. God, they make Court going all the way to fucking Canada. All right. We'll be back next week, guys. Thank you all for listening. As always, we really appreciate it. This was a super long fucking episode, and we had no picks. And Mike really wants to go to sleep, um, and I want to eat dinner, and so does Mark, and everybody else does too. But thank you all for listening. We really appreciate it. Back next week. Peace out. See ya.